Josh. Old Joshy boy. Josh. Bosh. Big Josh. How's it going, my friend? Not too bad. Not too bad. Out of isolation now. COVID's gotten through our family and has walked out the door. So um, things are looking good. How are you going? Lovely. No COVID um, on my front. At least I hope. Um, I'm fine. Um, better than fine. Thriving. And I'm thriving because I am good book boy number one, Alex. And who are you again? Sorry. Well, I'm good book boy number two, Josh. And we're here to uh, we're here to talk about books, aren't we? Uh, yeah. I thought that would be a good idea for today's episode. Unlike other episodes of the Good Book Boy podcast, where we talk about anything but, but today we thought we'd lean into the name a little bit. Um, we're talking about Kazuo Ishiguro's uh, apparently big novel, Never Let Me Go. What do you mean by apparently big? Big in what sense? Uh, big in the sense that it's one of two um, that have kind of catapulted his name into um, stardom. Yes. Um, having mentioned I was reading this, uh, a few people said, oh, I love that book. I can tell you it was included in uh, part Time Magazine's his... 100 Best English Language Novels Published Since 1923, which is pretty good. Uh, it was shortlisted for the Jeez. Booker Prize. And he's recently came out with Clara and the Sun, um about a year ago, I think now. Mm. Um, the film adaption, uh, so the book was written in uh, 1995, sorry, 2005, and the film adaption came out 10 years later, starring, among others, Kira Knightley, who also starred in the film adaption of Atonement, another good book boy's book. Uh, so, you know, it all comes full circle, I, I suppose. Exactly. You might have to read Pirates of the Caribbean. Which I believe was another one of his... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, another one of Kazuo's gurus, definitely. What made you pick this one? Uh, so I, um, this is sort of another. I think this is, a, you know, something that we've covered before on the podcast in the sense that we walk into a uh, a secondhand bookshop or a, a an op shop of sorts and mm. kind of peruse the uh, the bookshelf area. Um, mm-hmm. And this caught my eye because I knew of Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, because of the chatter around his recent um, book, Clara and the Sun. Um, and so this was just after that had been released. I'd heard some stuff, some good things about him as a writer. Um, and I just happened to pass my eye over this book and the name leapt out. And I was like, oh, well, rather than kind of going and grabbing his most recent um, uh pen penned mm-hmm. novel or how about we uh read something that he he has written before so i picked it up um and it's been on my to read pile for a little while um and so i thought as part of the podcast we'd select it i do enjoy that aspect of uh of good book boys and that it's often books that are on that pile and it's like you almost need an excuse to read them so we do it for the podcast the thing it's a uh, it's a good initiative um and uh more so- even more so when you get a, a a classic that you haven't had a chance to dive into, such as uh, as as Never Let Me Go. Exactly. Did you have the book in front of you? Did you want to read the blurb? You know what? I was going to say I've put it back on my shelf and I can't find it. But I've just looked again and I can find it. It was underneath Perfect. the Roger Moore action figure. Hold on. You know, I did the exact same thing. I thought it wasn't on the shelf and then I was looking for something else and then I just came across it. So it's a, it blends in because it's... Well, I don't know if your copy's yellow as well. But. Do you have the uh, mostly yellow? Uh, did you have a paper, uh, paperback edition or did you read it? Uh, well, no, we just said you've 
got it from. Did you have the yellow? Uh, I think cover? we do have the same copy because I remember put you putting it up on the Instagram and it's the same. It looks the same. So there you go. <clears throat> In one of the most acclaimed and original novels of recent years, Kazu Ishiguro imagines the lives of a group of students growing up in a darkly skewered version of contemporary England. Narrated by Kathy, now 31, Never Let Me Go hauntingly dramatizes her attempts to come to terms with her childhood at the seemingly idyllic Hallisham School and with the fate that has awaited her and her closest friends in the wider world. A story of love, friendship, and memory Never Let Me Go is charged throughout with a a story of love, friendship, and memory. Never Let Me Go is charged throughout with a sense of the fragility of life. Yeah. So is this is this the first um, slash and only potentially um, Ishiguru book that you've read? Yeah, and I have actually read this one before in my tutoring days. This was a uh, a year twelve book at in some curriculums um so i was i I read it uh for the benefit of my students so um yeah this is the only one i've read and now i've read it twice interesting is there anything is there anything that um that experience of reading it for a curriculum um kind of piece is there anything about that that um changed your experience of reading the book like did you have did you have a set number of themes and things that you needed to kind of focus on as you were reading it yeah most certainly um also i think when you're reading it for work as i was it's sort of you're sort of going at it quite uh i don't know maybe not enjoying it as much as you can because you're trying to sort of get those themes as as we talked as you talked about um, but, um, oh, look, I do sympathize with a lot of these year 12 students, um, because, uh, you know, as beautiful as this book is, and we'll get into it, I, I don't know, I think it's, it might be a bit much for, for year 12 students to really sort of sink their teeth into a lot of these books in the curriculums. I think they really do expect, quite a lot from from the students to really um come to grips with something like i don't know the classics like i don't know to kill a mockingbird i think that lends itself to analysis pretty well everything's sort of laid out pretty clearly or mm. 1984 a classic like that everything you sort of understand what you mean with with books like this that are very sort of literary and very i don't know very uh deep in in, in a sense i think they are quite difficult but but we'll get to that uh, in due time. Yeah, and a bit veiled and obscure. That is the word. Yeah, they the the meta. You know, there's not like easy metaphors that sort of, you know, this is representative of this and this is representative of that. You can sort of come to terms with easy. It's uh, veiled is is definitely the word for it. Yeah. So as you as you read on the blurb there, this mm. is kind of a first person narration from the main character Kathy mm. um, of. Her, her kind of uh it's it's her schooling experience really predominantly mm. um as, as she reflects on it um as well as kind of mixing in um some of those later life um experiences and, and kind of bringing in where uh where she is at in the kind of narrated present mm-hmm. um but there is sort of a dark uh or 
ominous undertone to the to most of the novel and a bit of a twist um which becomes you know more and more uh clear that as it uh, comes along as it comes along um what did you yeah. think of of never let well, me go look i think i think we can sort of explain the concept because i don't think it's a twist in that it, it comes through at the very end but it's certainly it does sort of come in in bits and pieces quite deliberately but yeah. the concept is essentially these students are uh, clones in a school and they're they're cloned with the express purpose that their organs will eventually be uh donated to people who need them and um they they grow up knowing this they grow up understanding this personally everyone will have um four donations of their organs and then they'll die and sort of the only way to defer this is to become a carer which is someone who looks after other people who are giving these donations and then they too will will um donate their organs as well and you know one of the most unique things about this is that that sounds like such a dystopian concept and if this was like straight science fiction it would be all about unraveling you know this this conspiracy that that started this and you know finding out who is in control of this cloning situation and this big high concept stuff but it never ever breaches into that territory the whole atmosphere is so matter of fact and so through the use of this this uh, form of narration where it's kathy sort of reflecting on her life it's so subdued throughout the whole thing. And this central concept, this cloning concept, is never really engaged in. It's it's just sort of the, the backdrop to, I guess, explore those themes, as it says in the blurb, of uh, love, friendship, and memory. It's so, it you know, even though it's got this concept of cloning at its core, it doesn't strike me as in any way, a traditional science fiction novel. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I think Casper um, has intentionally kind of grounded it in a very real reality. Mm. Um, and it, it it's something that you can see happening. I think one of the most interesting parts for me of this novel is when um, the kind of the um, existence of the school that they were going to Mm. Um, and kind of, I guess, a key piece of this is that the school that they went to that Kathy reflects upon, um, mm. was a special or different school mm. to what, um, a lot of the rest of the clones across the country would be going to. Um, mm. and it essentially, it essentially boils down to a, um, a ethics treatment of people question um mm. but that there was there's this whole scene where they go back to their old uh headmaster or run runner of the school and mm. have this whole dialogue about about their old school and and how it actually was different from the other schools and that kind of gives gave a little bit of an insight into the politics of kind of the rest of the I mean, I don't know if it was the world, but let's just say the country and yeah, how, how yeah. you know, the regular people viewed cloning and how... Uh, You're right, the, the, it, the societal conversations and yeah, the, societal the ethics conversations. that come along with that. Yeah, and, and the fact that um, 
because they were already in the process of it being kind of this medical thing and it was too convenient. That was like mm. a really interesting thing that I think I think was something um, quite fascinating to to think about is that if this this kind of amazing medical revolution comes along where you just solve so many, so many problems, these problems um, and potentially, you know, the the actual mechanics of it is kind of obscured a bit and then it comes out what's actually happening. And there's this would you, would we question, step you know, back how from do you it, take, you know, would yeah. we would we surrender all these wonderful things that we've got because of it? Which is, as as you said, a very interesting question. Can we sort of, as a society, ever step back from the progress we've made? Exactly, and um, so that was super fast. And that's all. All of all of that is um, is to say that um, you know I could in all of that kind of dialogue and that. Um, kind of dealing with those issues, you could see how grounded in reality, in you know, in our reality, it could be, and it it didn't, as you said, step too much into the the science fiction element, which you could easily do with a mm. premise like this. I completely agree. It's um, you know, if I can, if I think my mum would like it, it can't be you know pure science fiction. Um, yeah. So, and I think she would like it. So, you know, that that's, <laughs> take that endorsement if you like. What did you, uh, what did you make of this sort of quite unique, um, narrative structure of, uh, of Kathy reminiscing the whole time in what you could maybe say is a lot of like, maybe not stream of consciousness, but very sort of informal, just sort of like her almost chatting with you, trying to like remember her past. Yes, uh, this is where I potentially have a controversial opinion and or mm. a hot take. Um, and, and that is is that I kind of hated it. Um, mm. I, the experience of reading this book for me was unpleasant. Um, I didn't really like uh, how Caswo delivered the novel. Um, it felt oddly paced and kind of frustrating. I found too many times there were instances where it was, I want to tell you about this, but first I have to tell you about this that happened a few days earlier. And that mm. kind of like, that sort of like, oh, there's this, but wait, we've got to talk about this first happened too directly too many times. Um, and it just kind of got tiresome for me. Um, I, I kind of felt, especially once I'd finished the book, I kind of felt that I really liked and engaged with the idea, um, but I felt that it would have been better suited in a, uh, like in a philosophical novel or, mm. you know, in a way that kind of dealt with it more directly or in an essay even, um, but definitely in a, in a different sort of novelistic fashion than the way that this, like I wouldn't read this again. Um, in I your estimation, we're referring to sort of the narrative structure he's used. Would yeah. you say he did it well and you didn't like it or he didn't do it well and that's why you didn't like it? I mean, that's a tough one. Like it'd be hard for me to say that he didn't do it well, uh, hmm. given that he's a Nobel prize winner. Um, it could, it could just be that the style just didn't gel with me and mm. that's fine. But it was, I mean, I've read 
a stream of consciousness consciousness novels um but also be kind of narrated um self-biographical novels like the, what i'm reading at the moment is a prime example david copperfield mm. that's essentially the same thing in the sense that it's someone talking about their life experiences and reminiscing on things that happened earlier um but it was just it's just the it, it, you know it's the voice and i mm. think i also didn't really connect with kathy as a character that much i found her a little bit kind of plain um well sure let's 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 go and talk about our characters because there's really, I guess, three main characters. Why didn't you like Kathy, our our main character and our narrator, whose whose past is the the basis of this story? Well, I think yeah, like the as I've been kind of saying, the style um, that she speaks in was a little plain. Mm. Um, you know, the the semi direct and repeated um, way that she kind of structured her thoughts. Um, yeah, just got a little bit boring for me. Um, so on the whole, her as a character wasn't super interesting. Um, I did, I did like uh, the other characters more. I found them a little more interesting, and their kind of flavor um, brought something to the to the interactions that Kathy was having. I think. Yeah, I um, I suppose I I didn't really when I when I was thinking about the characters, I didn't really think about. Kathy sort of at all um I guess I saw her more as just narrating this story rather than mm. seeing her as an individual character but her two friends uh Kathy and Tommy I thought were were wonderfully sort of fleshed out and again so much of this characterization you're getting via Kathy's narration yeah and you know the theme one of the big themes of the book is memory and there's so many instances in which characters remember things differently or they look back on how people were and they're not quite sure, you know, how, how exactly it was, which is, you know, how it is in real life. It's not set out yeah. like most novels where everything is, is, is clearly established and everything they've done is, is a matter of, of public record. There is so much conjecture. It's, it's really taking the unreliable narrator to a, to sort of a, an extreme degree. And Kathy is conscious of this, you know, she'll say, you know, I'm not sure if it happened like this. I seem to remember it happening this way, which I actually found very, very interesting. And I think I found that quite engaging. And uh, I think through that narration, we, we, we get to pictures of these, these Kathy, the, sorry, these characters, Ruth and Tommy, her, her really good friends throughout her life. And um, uh, it just the 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 way she characterizes them and the little quirks of their personality and the little things they say that you can only really capture and only really describe if you are someone who knows someone personally. You mm. know, I I know things about you, Josh. That you know, if someone was writing the history of your life, they wouldn't they wouldn't describe them they wouldn't know about them they wouldn't say them i just love this sort of personal touch that her narration gave to the her um her two best friends the other two main characters of the story yeah absolutely no i do agree that um that uh, kind of when when the other characters are involved um uh more directly um i found it a lot more enjoyable to read um how did you feel about the overall kind of 
pacing and the direction of the novel. Did you find that was that was delivered well in the sense um, that did you feel like there was any time spent um, or too much time spent, you know, in any one area or any one time or place? You know, I'm surprised I didn't. It's uh, it's sort of structured in in three acts mm. based on pretty much where the, the characters are living. And you're quite right that there's definitely the risk of um, that sort of becoming a bit too sort of redundant and a bit sort of boring. But um, the degree of the the sort of the, the characterization of, of the other people around her and just the things, just, I know, I really like sort of personal stories, you know, where there's there's drama and there's, you know, there's, there's coming of age things, there's growing up. It's one of the things I really liked about um, the plot against America, our previous book, was sort of the the degree of uh, familiarity and um, personability that was that was in the narration, mm. and um, you know around young people growing up. I found it I found it very endearing. So no, even though it w- it was quite slow paced, and you know there's not I guess a lot of what you'd call big moments. There's no you know big cinematic climaxes it is the whole thing is very very subdued even despite the the science fiction sort of premise of the story and that's what life is like you know the 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 important moments don't often seem important at the time so in terms of pacing i really enjoyed it what about yourself did you find it too slow no i think it was all right um i think having the the sort of mystery of of how um their slightly alternate world is um, being slowly kind of drawn out across the novel was enough to keep it um, progressing. Um, and yeah, I didn't find any points where it was, it was too slow. Um, again, I think my biggest issue was just in the kind of connectors between um, memories and, and chapters um, just was frustrating. <laughs> So, well, having said that, should we move on to our? Uh, is there any other questions before we move on to our final thoughts? No, I, th- I think we can uh, we can get to that. Would you um would you place it within your top one hundred books uh to nineteen twenty three? Would you agree with the New York Times article? I mean, look, in answer to your question, probably not because I doubt I could name a hundred novel. I mean, I'm sure I could if I tried, but. At that stage, you're just sort of adding in anything. Having said that, there's 62, you know, Goosebumps books. And statistically, you know, some of them are going to get in, some of them aren't. So, you know, answer your question, I I, I really enjoyed Never Let Me Go. I, I, um, you know, look... Sort of as I was reading it, I was, I was, it's not the kind of book that I, I I'm, I would pick up usually. Mm. I'd read the back of that and be like, eh, a bit boring, like a bit slow. But um, I just, I, I think the whole thing was masterfully done. And look, I probably, I won't read it again for, for, you know, another, if I ever do another couple of years, maybe if I ever do a deep dive into Ishiguru's work, I'll, I'll go back and revisit it. But there's no, there's no pressing desire to, to flick back to the start and start again. But even having said that, I think it's just so well done. You know, the parts that you said you don't like, I thought they were fantastic. I thought the narration, 
the uncertainty of everything, the emphasis on memory and different perspectives and, you know, the friendships you have. And this really, really somber and really sort of quite sad overtones to everything, as it says in the blurb, the fragility of life. Again, that's... um, you know that ostensibly that's because of the, the the science fiction concept in this but i think that's like any good science fiction novel it's applicable the lessons are applicable uh, for everybody and so for that reason i'm going to give never let me go four stars on goodreads wow there you go well i definitely wouldn't place it in the top 100 novels from 1923 i really liked the um kind of the un the the idea the underlying idea and the premise couldn't get on board with the way it was delivered so i'll probably give it about two and a half out of five fantastic uh what else are you reading josh well um unfortunately i like big books um and i cannot cannot lie lie. exactly and um i'm still reading (laughs) Mm. david copperfield but i'm almost there i've got about 80 pages left to go, I think. So by next episode, we should have um, a, a different book for me to discuss at, at the end here. Um, and like last time, I'm enjoying it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I quite, I'm quite attached to the character of David Copperfield and the kind of ensemble that Dickens has in that novel. Um, but I'm still not quite convinced that it does the genre um, better than a few other other books. So I've, I've mm. got to finish it before I finally have kind of a final opinion on that. Yes, but. it could. The last 80 pages could dramatically change your opinion. Exactly. So that's have what I've been... Part, have you got to the part with the aliens yet? Uh, no. Oh, shit. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what have you been reading, Alex? Oh, if you've if you've been on my Instagram, Latarocha underscore L A W T E R A T U R A, you'll see I'm do, I'm I'm watching movies a lot more than I'm reading these days. I don't know why. I don't know what what's what's invoked that of me, but I'm going through a real cinematic stage of not just classics of just like movies I just remember or want to check out. Um, watched the first two X Men films uh, last week. Fantastically done. They are so good as movies. You forget, you know, before sort of Marvel did the cinematic universe and sort of established a formula that, you know, whether you love it or hate it, you know, sort of set the tone for, you know, what you're going to get. Yeah. And pretty much guarantee, you know, box office receipts. Prior to that, the superhero game was such like a, a roll of the dice. So many of them, like, surprisingly good, like the X-Men. But for every X-Men, there's like a Daredevil or... You know, Fantastic Four, Rise of Silver Surfer, um, which yeah. is much just my means to say, like, oh, I think those those X Men films were so good, um, those first two. But in terms of reading, what am I reading? I am reading. Um, I just finished reading. I'm currently reading a uh, uh, Terry Gilliam's autobiography. Terry Gilliam, the uh, former Monty Python member turned uh, film director whose films I'm actually enjoying a lot as well. Lots of big practical sets and big ideas, all movies about dreamers. And they're compounded by the fact that, you know, every movie was torturous to make for one reason or other, which I'm, I'm, I'm attracted to movies that are, that are disastrous behind the scenes. And I'm also, I just finished reading a uh, beautiful country burn again, which is a nonfiction. I think the subtitle is, uh, 
trumps America and the people and the the state of the country that voted for him. And it sort of uh, uh, summarizes the 2016 campaign trail and just explains about all the different multifaceted threads that that went into sort of the well, pretty much the state of the United States and you could argue a lot of the Western world today, sort of the geographic, economic, social trends that have just um, shaped the world as it is right now. And it's very, very depressing, but it's, oh my goodness, it is so, it is so engaging and so well-written. You know, someone who's read quite a lot about, you know, contemporary politics, this has got to be one of the, the, the best I've ever read. So, um, Beautiful country burn again. If you want to know why the world's as bad as it is, uh, read read the book. It's fantastic. There you go. That's high praise. Mm. And uh, what what else uh, what else are you up to? Where where can we find you? Um, and what projects are on the burn? Oh, thank you for asking. Well, the best place to find me is Lateritra underscore on Instagram. L a double t e r a t u r e. Uh, from there, you can sort of find either my uh, Goosebumps podcast at goosebumps.podcast on Instagram or my Tintin podcast at tintin.podcast at Instagram. My goodness, it is taking me so long to just do one episode of the Tintin podcast. And um, it's not through through lack of trying, but my goodness, there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack with these stories. And of <laughs> course, working five days a week doesn't help um but you know this is this is this is i don't want to say a sisyphean task because that implies it's pointless but it's it's definitely a it's definitely a a long haul but i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying that and um yeah if you like tintin follow me on that if you like goosebumps follow me on that got a few good episodes of of gatsy on goosebumps coming out soon so goosebumps and Tintin, and if you don't like either of those, well, uh, frankly, uh, frankly, I I have no time for you, and I do not want you listening to this podcast either. All right, you're one listener. <laughs> we could do without. I haven't spoken to Josh about this, but I want you to unsubscribe right now. Anyway, Josh, um, uh, I believe, I believe you're into jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I am, and uh, you can find me at hot cup of jazz on Instagram. Um, I post a lot there these days, uh, especially since um, I had my personal account uh, deleted, unfortunately. Um, but yes, so I, uh, you can find me there. I, I post about music, improvised music, jazz. Um, I'm on the radio every Thursday evening um, playing a selection of great music um, to help anyone through their Thursday evenings. And uh, I'm also contemplating doing a monthly Twitch stream where we listen through a, a an Australian record and kind of talk about it um, and just hang out. So there's lots of uh, jazz-related content um coming out from uh, myself um, so if you want to check that out or you like music in general uh, go to at hot cup of jazz to um, get some of that in your ears right in there just pour that steaming hot cup of jazz right into your ear canal that's what Would i you like, like to say to, that's his catchphrase it it and the producers are saying, please change that catchphrase, Josh. It's really unappealing and it makes it sound like you're going to hurt your <laughs> listeners. Would you like to know what we're listening or listening to, not listening to? Would you like to know what we're reading uh, for next episode? I would love to know. What are we reading? We are going to read John Darnell's Devil House. 
<laughs> Very good. Long-time I'm listeners ready. will remember that we reviewed his first novel, Wolf in White Van, um, which we both enjoyed. I didn't enjoy his second novel, so we didn't review that. But this new one has just come out, and you know this could this could sort of cement. This is this is on the on the line. You know, really liked his first one, really didn't like his second one. Yeah, where's it going to go? Determine, this will determine if I'm you know going to keep up with his writing. Um, but that's what you can uh, you can look forward to, and uh, we might have and, to bring uh, in we might have to bring in a special guest for that episode. Yes, the devil himself. Yeah. Jason, that's what we call him. Yeah, because he's uh, so devilishly handsome, and also he, you know, he does actually engage in a lot of black magic. It's starting to get starting to get quite worrying. But yes, that is what you can look forward to. Josh, any wise words to take us out on? Well, I think, as always, listeners, if it's not a good book, and and that's all she wrote. <laughs> Yeah, you, you were supposed to. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, that's it. Did you, did you hear that? Was, that's how we were supposed to go. Until next week. Oh, you find out.